and welcome to today's podcast, one of several we will be producing about starting your own Registered Investment Advisor, or RIA. I'm Libby Hall, and with me are some of Oyster's RIA experts, Buddy Doyle, Sarah Sutton, and Jay Donlin. Today, we're going to be discussing what motivates people to start their own RIA. We'll look at what's involved from a high-level view and talk about some things we've seen that work and some that don't. Buddy, why don't you take it from here? Hi, everybody. I'm Buddy Doyle. I'm pleased to be joined today by Jay Donlin and Sarah Sutton, two of our experts on RIAs and have helped a number of our clients move from where they were to where they're going. And I think that uh, we're pleased to have you here. Jay, Sarah, welcome. Thanks, Buddy. Thanks, Buddy. Good to be here. Buddy, one of the things that um, that people always think is, hey, I want to go start my own RIA. And that's great, but there are several things you have to be aware of when you go do that. One is, do you want to run a business? Do you feel like you have the the capacity to run your own business, make your own HR decisions, make your own real estate decisions, make your own tech stack decisions, uh, custodial decisions, all these decisions that have to be made in order to in order to have a an RIA. One of the things that we are finding in, in the marketplace is this explosion of fintech. And there are hundreds upon hundreds of vendors out there that you have to go through and make a, make a decision. There is a process you need to go through to start a business and uh, having a business plan. And rarely do we ever see a, a business plan that fails in projection. But I think that it's that thoughtful process of going through that and uh, Jay, one of the things I know you you guys do is you're you're the objective voice of of are you am I too over optimistic? Am I too pessimistic uh, about things? And you know, one of the things that that we often hear from firms, particularly the ones that are losing the reps to go out and start their own RIA, is they're chasing less regulation. I actually think. It's a different regulation, but I'm, I'm not sure it's less. And Jay, I think, you know, you started out with a lot of these things. And I think about investing in your platform and your tech stack and all those kinds of things, deciding what products you want to offer to your clients and how you want to serve them. You will be a fiduciary for your clients as an RIA and, and depending on your capacity in which you work with them, that can mean slightly different things, but it's still a very high bar uh, for you to meet. But if you're investing in all these plans uh, and you're investing in all these platforms, you also need to invest in profitability. Jay, any thoughts on sort of the process of going through your financial projections and your, your wants and your needs? Yeah, buddy. Um, One of the things that we hear uh, when people are exploring starting their own own RIA is, who am I going to choose as as a custodian? And that's an important question. But a lot of the custodians today, the top three especially, do a lot of the same stuff, and they're very similar pricing. The more important question is, what fintech am I going to use? These portfolio management systems and various client reporting systems that are out there, there's been this explosion in fintech that's created um, all these different products that RAs uh, and advisors uh, need to kind of navigate through. And that has becoming the more important question, which fintech stack am I going to build? There's cost with that. 
you know, there's various levels of costs across these vendors. Some are cheaper than others. Others are a lot more rich. Functionality can vary based on that that type of uh, structure. So one thing that people think is, well, if I if I go out on my own, then I get 100% payout, and that's true. You do get 100% payout, but there's a lot of costs associated with that. FinTech is one of them. Operations, compliance costs, just various uh, things that you may not think about are costs that are associated with that. So one thing that RAs or advisors need to think about is how much do you want to make at the end of the day as the business owner? And making a profit is, of course, what everybody wants to do in their own business. Um, But it also is just the owning your own business the security in that and and just the the ownership uh, value of that business is what you're building. And that's a great thing to do. Yeah. And I think owning a business comes with a lot of challenges. How many payroll systems have you run as a financial advisor at your independent rep firm or your wirehouse? And I, I will say there's a different path for independent reps versus folks that are in a a more, what do you want to call it? A wirehouse, a traditional firm, a regional firm, whatever you want to call it. They've got all kinds of labels for for describing things. Uh, I think tradition may not be applicable anymore because we've had you know hybrid RIAs and standalone RIAs for so long. But I often talk to to financial advisors or investment consultants or whatever brand you put on yourself. And they talk about their firm taxing them, uh, and that's. But with taxes comes service, and with taxes comes benefits. And I think that when you look at what they're doing for you in terms of payroll, and your your computers, your monitors, if something happens and there's a cyber breach, do they call you, or do they just handle it? And I think all those things start coming your way. As a business owner, and there are various ways to handle that. There's as many ways to handle that as there are challenges uh, that come at you. But rarely do you see somebody start an RIA and come out of the gate with a 90% profitability. Uh, you know, margins just don't work like that. So if your firm's taking 10%, or your firm's taken 60%, right? How will you look at the end of that is is part of why you want to do your plan. Yeah, um, buddy, and, and I'll just jump in on that. It, COVID has basically, I guess, stoked the fire a little bit more on this conversation. So everybody went home, all the advisors went home, and they started working at home. They worked at home for, you know, six, nine months in some cases. Some, some cases, they haven't been back to the office. And they realized, they're like, wait a minute. I can do this, you know? And so they think, like you said, there's a whole infrastructure uh, at Oyster. You know, we kind of already had that infrastructure because, you know, we, we were remote anyways, a lot of us, but a lot of these firms had a lot of catching up to do in getting remote and, and being able to, to efficiently work from uh, their other houses or other remote remote locations. And, um, and so all that, there was a cost to that. And so if you had your own RIA, you got to look at, situations like that as, well, you know, how am I going to do that? It's a lot easier now because we've kind of figured out the Rubik's cube, right? But, uh, you know, those are other, that's just one situation. There will be, there will be other situations in our industry that will impact kind of quote, small business owners, so to speak. We just don't know what they are and you just have to be ready 
as a business owner to tackle those challenges? Absolutely. And I think the adaptability to changing conditions, we certainly have gone through this here as we've gone through the pandemic. And to Jay's point, Air Firm, a consulting firm with people around the country, we're a little bit differently prepared for this than folks where you're all in one office and you're all together and things like that. And the pandemic certainly taught a lot of our clients a thing or two about business continuity planning and uh, how to deal with the impact of sudden changes in, in the environment that you're in from fires to whatever, right? In this case, the pandemic sent us all home. We all took different tacks there. And the innovation that came out of all of that and the ability to, to be remote now is, is certainly there. It opens up more options for you. Jay, any any thoughts on some of the disadvantages of, of decisions that uh, folks have made that where they've sort of seen some, maybe the grass wasn't greener? Uh, yeah, buddy, I think we touched on a lot of it. What am I going to be? Am I going to be a fully customized, you know, each individual portfolio is fully customized and I'm going to manage each client tax efficiently and, and whatnot myself? Um, that that takes a tall order. I mean, it takes a lot of work to do that. Um, and, and that may be what you want to be as an RIA. Um, but you have to realize, you know, there's capacity issues with that. You know, how many clients can you effectively manage? If you take on too much, um, the regulators are going to look at you as well and say, well, are you providing value to everybody? Are you providing what you're saying to everybody? So you have to be cognizant of that. If you choose a custodian that has, you know, kind of these canned uh, uh, products, um, you know, they, they're running, say, a TAMP on their platform, uh, Turnkey Asset Management Program, and you're going to leverage their uh, services, you know, are they are they providing value, you know, to the client? Is it impacting the client from an expense perspective, um, you know, in a market uh, reasonable rate, you know, uh, and that will create capacity for you. But these are all the decisions um, that people make, and and if they if they don't thoughtfully decide kind of what they want to be, um, you know, you can have a a mess on your hands. And so it's just it's a good uh, exercise to go through um, at the start to just make sure that you are making the right decisions for your business and your clients, um, so that you don't create a mess for later on. Yeah, I think as a business owner and uh, entrepreneur, I, I think one of the key skills that you need to have is the ability to say no to some things. You can't chase every shiny object. You have to make decisions. You have to prioritize. The largest financial organizations in the world have to make decisions and prioritize. You will as well. And I think that's an important thing to keep in mind. And I, I think there's a, a lot of valid reasons, though, why people do want to start RIAs and why they want to uh, get out there and, and take this on. And for me, when I started Oyster, it was about creating a business to last and creating a, a kind of special place to work and a different point of view than I'd seen in other consulting organizations that I had used as, as vendors. But I think uh, 
Maybe Sarah, Jay, you guys could kind of run through some of the rationales you've seen for starting an RIA that really stick and that have meaning and drive success. Any any thoughts there? Yeah, buddy, I'll jump in. Uh, so one of the things I think is freedom. It's the it's the freedom to make the decision on where your office is and who's in your who's on your staff and who's on your team. And, you know, being able to build it out the way you want it, really being able to to take charge and and own the business and build something that is, you know, obviously, hopefully profitable. Um, And then, you know, have have the ability to, you know, have a succession plan later on. Now, you can do that, you know, in, in the wirehouse space, too, but it's a little more limited and you can't structure it the way you may or may not want to. So I think from that aspect, just kind of looking at what what do you what do you want? What kind of legacy do you want to leave behind um, if you want a legacy at all? And I think, too, it just helps to when you have the possibility of doing and creating something, I think that is very exciting, um, especially with folks that have been in the industry for a long time and just starting out. When when somebody's telling you you have to do something a certain way, sometimes that may not be the way you want it to work. And you have the opportunity to really take advantage of, you know, making sure you have all the right members on your team, making sure that you're offering products that you stand behind, feel comfortable with, and have the ability to, you know, be flexible. It's not such a rigid structure that you have to fit in and conform with. It's more of a you know, if you want to only work four days a week, it's fine. If you want to work from home two days a week, it's fine. You know, there's not that um, that overarching level of management and leadership that may or might may be driving you to, you know, reach additional goals. A lot of the folks that are in the RIA space are, like Buddy mentioned, entrepreneurs. Um, they're already doing it that themselves. They don't may may not necessarily need someone leaning on them. They're doing a good job of that on their own. But at the same time, you know, wanting to do that and then actually doing it are two totally different things. And I think that's one realization that some folks come into uh, that realize, you know, either up shortly up to or shortly after they've they've made that leap. And once you've decided to do it and you started the process, it's hard to go back. So I think that it's something that you really like. Buddy had mentioned earlier, you really need to to do your homework, do your due diligence, just as what you would with, you know, something that a client should invest in. You know, is it something that you truly want to do? Is it something that you truly feel that will grow, that you'll succeed at, and that you'll enjoy? Yeah, Buddy, I'll I'll jump in on some some things. We kind of talked a little bit about this uh, velocity and expansion of fintech. And um, a lot of times people uh, that have been in these traditional large financial services organizations just make the assumption that, oh, my firm is on the cutting edge. Well, generally, that's not the case. And uh, and it's because of the velocity of change and the velocity of products that are being created. And so you might you may look at what you're utilizing as tools to effectively manage your clients today and say, you know, if I just had X. I just had Y. If you create your own RIA, you can go get X and you can go get Y and not have to wait on that on your large firm to go through a process of, 
you know, vendor acquisition and integration and, and whatnot, you have the ability to make that that decision and, and that investment, you know, into those. And sometimes it's just the little things. Um, I was talking to a client one time and they said, you know, my firm has an office downtown and that's where our office is. All my clients are 30 minutes out from downtown and they don't want to come downtown. If I open up my own office, I'd have it out where my clients are. Sometimes your clients want to see you. You know, they're, they don't want to come downtown. They don't want to fight parking. They don't want to fight the one-way streets or whatnot. And so sometimes those are the little decisions like that, that, um, you know, you can make. You can say, I'm going to open my office out where my clients are. Those are the things that uh, give you the flexibility when you create your own organization to make those decisions. Yeah, you get to be a lot more nimble when you're running a, your own smaller organization. If you if you think about it, Jay, you talked about the the evolution of technology that has been going on, and it's it's changing faster than it ever has and slower than it ever will again. And I think that those large organizations to change a platform that fifteen thousand people are are using to run their core business on that they're serving their clients with is a lot different than you making a decision that might impact 15 advisors or just you. And they've got a process they've got to go through to manage that change. Your process needs to be somewhat different in that, am I risking my business by using this platform and what's out there and what's what could that mean to my customers? There are things you'll have to do that they do for you today. And you'll be expected to understand the cybersecurity program that the vendor you're selecting is, is utilizing to make sure you're fulfilling your fiduciary obligation to your clients to protect them from criminals. So I think all those kinds of things you can do and you can do well and you can do efficiently and effectively but it is a little bit different and you do have a lot more control and you certainly, from my experience, will be able to move faster than you could, but it's you moving it and it's you're, you're making the things happen uh, in, in your own firm, which really feels exhilarating and terrifying. I think it's, uh, it's, it's really good. Uh, some of the, Folks I know running organizations, you know, will tell me I feel like I've got my feet in an ice bucket and my hand on the stove because I'm so, so excited and scared and, you know, I'm mean, having these different sensations. And those are people who thrive in this entrepreneurial uh, period. But it doesn't have to be that way either. You can run a pretty satisfying lifestyle type business as well as an RIA. There are so many options out there for you. We're going to certainly be going through a series of podcasts. Uh, we've kind of done some introductory stuff now and things to consider. But uh, one of the things that will help us make this podcast more meaningful for you guys is, you know, we've shared some of the stories we've heard from our clients about why they wanted to start an advisor, some of the things that they've gone through and challenges. But we'd love to hear from you, too, if you're thinking about starting an RIA. What's your motivation for doing that, what are you trying to achieve? And I think it'd be fantastic to, to hear those different things so that we can share those if you're okay with it to our audience and, and maybe make them make better decisions. That with that, we're gonna wrap it up for today, but we will be back for a future episode.
Thanks, buddy. It's been a pleasure to be on this podcast and to just try to help people uh, navigate these important decisions. And uh, we look forward to helping them. Thanks, buddy. I hope that everyone has a chance to really kind of dive in if they're interested in going down the RA path and uh, always know that that we're here to help them make the decision on whether they would like to do it or not. All right. And thank you guys for sharing your wisdom and experience with with the listeners. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Join us for our upcoming podcast focusing on the regulatory perspectives of starting your own RIA. If you'd like to learn more about how Oyster can help you start your own RIA, contact us at OysterLLC.com and we'll be happy to chat. If you like what you heard today, follow us on whatever podcast platform you listen to and give us a review. Reviews make it easier for people to find us. Thanks and have a great day. Mm -hmm.